One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. 3 women, 1 podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, and Natalie Campbell. This week, we talked to Meg John Barker all about their new book, Gender, A Graphic Guide. Plus, we meet Janet Ganner, who tells us why she has created a pop-up store filled with products created by women of colour. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Meg John Barker, welcome to the studio. Thank, Thank you, you so me. much. MJ, uh, mm. tell us about relationships and why parenting packs might be the way forward as opposed to well, yeah. searching for the one. Something I've written a lot about is the search for the one and that yeah. kind of romantic ideal and, you know, the historically how it's like it was invented yeah. in like the 1950s, mm. love in the current form. And historians are kind of saying... By Disney. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's why I just said it. And I was like, oh, maybe religion. <laughs> oh, no, my you goodness, were... I'm a genius. <laughs> like, yeah, they've written books about how love was the new religion as religion kind of oh. declined and communities declined. People started looking to that love relationship to be everything, mm-hmm. like the best friend and the co-parent and the passionate love forever and ever and all of this stuff. So we've been sold this myth I just can't you can't get all of that in one place like the, thera- mm. the therapist Raya Esther Perel says you can't get warm love and hot love in the same place right. yeah. Yeah. and so you know people are feeling like such a failure in multiple areas but yeah I reckon one of the main ways forward is to get really intentional about relationships and be thinking well you know who might we parent well with who might we cohabit well with who do we have great sex with and like they're not always necessarily going to come in the yeah. same places yeah. it's looking for them all in the same place that's the real problem yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting mm. I mean, I feel, I feel like looking for any of it at the moment is a bit hard. Maybe next decade it'll be yeah. better. Or we could just get through 2019. <laughs> exactly. Let's have another Baileys and get to the end of the year. Um, your new book is what you're here to talk to us about. I'm very excited to have you because our new book is called Gender, A Graphic Guide. Yes. And uh, personally, for one, I love the play on the word a graphic guide because it's both graphic in terms of what you're talking about and in terms of pictures. Exactly. It's a, com- uh, it's a comic book, it's a comic basically. Book. <laughs> Tell us for a start how you came to write it. What well, was it yeah. made you want to do? It? So actually we did a book called Queer a Graphic History mm-hmm. a few years ago and they came to me and said, Would I like to write that? And um we thought it was just gonna be this little book, you know, not do terribly well and it's sold like sixty thousand or something wow, copies. It's, like, it's in like tape modern and stuff like that. So it's I'm living a dream. Like I've just become a self employed writer. Um <laughs> it, on the strength of that. And Congrats. they were like, Let's do a follow up and I was just, well, gender is obvious, it's this massive topic at the moment in so across so many areas. Mm-hmm. I was particularly, you know, thinking about the sort of moral panic about trans that's happening at the moment, yeah. but also me too and you know, like yeah, it just felt like 
and this is the topic we need to be talking about. So we started with one on gender, but the next one will be on sexuality. So there's going to be more. I feel like people, there's a majority of people are really freaking out about gender and about the fact that there can be so many different variations. I remember Piers Morgan on GM. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Britain. Good morning, Britain. <laughs> freaking out because he found out that there were a hundred different versions of, gen, uh, of gender. Yeah. But... What do you say to people like that who are who are going, oh, it's ridiculous, I don't know why we've got all these different you know, mm. versions of gender, why have we even got a book now explaining it all? What would you say to them? I mean, mostly I don't go on their shows, I come on Badass Women. Yay! <laughs> there we I'm, go. I'm to Ray Pierce Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, what I always say actually is like, this is, ac- this is actually about everybody. Um, so usually I would start a workshop and it's sort of in the book as well with a kind of idea of like so what are the stereotypes of what a real man is and what are the stereotypes Mm -hmm. of what a real woman is let's get those kind of written down Mm -hmm. and you know it's all like strong to weak and emotional to rational and all of you know passive to active all of this and then I say to the room of people who fits perfectly into either of those comment columns like zero people and so once we've accepted that everyone's non-binary, then we, you know, can have a discussion. <laughs> That's only a flippant way of saying it. But, you know, really, we do all have a unique relationship with gender once we think about all the other things that intersects with as well, like race and class and sexuality and disability. We all have a unique relationship with gender. And this kind of explosion of different words is just one way of kind of finally accepting that rather than trying to pigeonhole people into these rigid kind of stereotypes. How do you define gender to start? Because mm. what's the difference between gender sex how do you define it it's actually again really quite complex because gender's Mm. used to mean so many things so that's what we unpack in the book it's like actually gender is the social stereotypes about what it means Mm -hmm. to be a man or a woman or another Mm -hmm. gender gender is also our feeling inside what our lived experience is about gender which may change a lot over the course Mm -hmm. of our lives gender's how we identify but it's also how other people identify with us and and even that sex and gender thing, people say, well, sex is the biology mm. and gender's like, you know, our lived experience. But actually, that's even more complicated because pe- neuroscientists like Cordelia Fine have found that our bodies and brains get wired up in certain ways because of our experiences relating to gender. And if mm-hmm. we'd been, if we were read as a different gender, we'd be treated differently yeah. and that would make our brains wire up differently. So you can't even tease apart the biology and the social part of it um so i use this word like biopsychosocial a lot in the Mm. book which means that we can never figure out like what was there from the beginning in terms of how we were born and what's there because of the life experiences Mm. we've had and what's there because of the cultural norms which are also changing all of the time Mm -hmm. you know like a lot more people will be experiencing their gender in different ways because the kind of whole social script about gender has shifted over time as well and we see that with the different ways of feminism for example Mm, in the book how women have been treated very differently and then have acted very differently when different things were open to them Mm. as you were talking one of the things that popped into my mind um and it, it was your use of the word stereotype so much of um the challenge that we have is that people like binary things box yes. a and box b people and, do like that yes. yeah and, and, <laughs> but also the idea of people exploring who they are how mm. they feel what they think what they do and don't like is relatively new a yeah. bit you know people woke up they went to the same job for 20 years they you know retired and sort of that was it and and now i think people are really struggling with this actually you don't have one job you might have 20 actually mm. you might at any one time identify in a different way that element of life fluidity yeah people struggle with and yeah. it is because we've come from a 
two box structure. You were either married or unmarried. You're and it's still on yeah. form. You're, you're yeah. single or what? Are you single or what? What's the other one? Uh, or married? Yeah. Is that or, it? or coupled? Yeah. Couple, yeah. yeah. Partnered. So you don't really. It, it, society's just trying to put us in those. Boxes, all so. the time because it feels like it's safer but actually my view is it's less safe and it's less yeah. kind as well because people just don't feel and in, fit into simple boxes yeah. both in terms of like often we're somewhere on a spectrum mm -hmm. you know from say a certain kind of masculinity to a certain kind of femininity um, but also a number of others and also that it changes over time in our lives. Is it more of a pendulum? Pendulum is a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just thinking about yeah. myself. Something it, we joke sometimes Harriet says I'm a double agent for the page, page, uh, <laughs> patriarchy. You said that about yourself. Uh, no, I didn't. I, 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 I just agree. What does that mean? A double agent for the patriarchy. Well, sometimes she agrees with the things that we don't agree with. That's basically um, Oh, really? Well, but it's because I, yeah. I, I, I was raised by men. Yeah. And so my brain is wired. And I think for a long time yeah. I, th I th thought mm. in a very masculine way yeah yeah and the yeah. things I liked and I looked at mm. were very much through a male gaze and a male eyes yeah I yeah. loved rap and hip-hop yeah so the visuals that I grew up with for me yeah and I didn't see women as sexualized because I again it was mm. just a really different lens but it, yeah, so anyway yeah. so that's where the, the that came from and so it's that pendulum and as I as you know more the pendulum swings mm. but then I and it, but I, I swing back because for me there's a safety in the strength of masculin masculinity. Yeah. So that's that's why I was saying pendulum. Is, mm. I'm just making it about me, my love. That's all. Just, <laughs> me. just me. and no, Jen. No, I mean, yeah. you know, I used to be a therapist, <laughs> no, so okay. I'm happy to go there. <laughs> <laughs> a live yeah. therapy session. <laughs> We'd like to lie down on my couch, you know. <laughs> I was noticing some very good nodding. And yeah, nodding. yeah, you know, I've got skills. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your own journey with gender and how mm. you came to be interested in this topic. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it a lot. I wasn't sort of particularly radical when I was younger. I was quite normative and quite normative relationships. And yeah, found that stuff quite hard, I suppose. You know, the kind of well, what we're talking about before. Mm -hmm. like, I think I really came in through the more through relationships. I'm starting to think, how do we do, how could we do relationships differently? Because this model does not seem to be fitting me or a lot of the people I knew. And that got me thinking about sexuality differently and then gender as well. And so... I guess it was through, first of all, getting involved with bisexual activism and recognising, yeah, it's not gay straight. And in fact, now mm. the majority of young people are identifying somewhere between exclusively gay and exclusively straight, or at least a, a very big minority. And then I realised, well, gender's kind of the same, actually. They did this study that I wrote, included in the book, which found that um, if you ask people, um, to what do you ever experience yourself as the other gender or both genders or neither gender, over a third of people say, yeah, you know, to some extent I do. So it's not really like there are, you know, majority of the world is either yeah. manly men, womenly women, and there's this tiny minority of kind of non-binary people. It's actually that it's over a third of people who don't really experience themselves in those two ends of the spectrum, which is kind of what you'd expect because these things... You know, it's like height isn't binary. Look, yeah. Most things about being human, you know, introversion, extroversion is not binary. Most yeah. of these things are a spectrum. Do you think then gender, though, mm. as narrowly as defined it is, you know, by having, you know, a book like yours with, you know, multitude of uh, ways that you can identify, mm. human beings don't like choice do mm. they <laughs> is it well, is it overwhelming yeah because i was gonna say there's yeah. there's, a, there's some comfort in yeah. just uh two choices like you can be that or that and then there's some negative commentations like that i'm like you know how does uh i don't even know if i'm asking a question here it's just a thought in terms of like actually you know if there's a hundred different types of gender yeah does that make it more complicated for people to try and work out 
mm. you know, how they feel or what they identify with? That's a good question. I think, you know, the existential philosophers say like humans have these two urges, which is one to belong, but the other to be free. Mm. So actually humans do like to have choice and be free and be able to make their own choices in life. And at the same time, we're driven to mm. fit in and to belong. And that's the contradiction of, of most of us is that we want both those things. Um, so I think opening up the conversation about gender and allowing people to find their place in it is really valuable um, and also you know how can we make a kind enough safe enough world for people to do so and at the moment that's the problem is like the world yeah. is not kind enough and safe enough for people to find their way with gender without being massively stigmatized and even victims of hate crime if they're if they're doing something outside of the gender stereotypes and that's particularly for anyone who's read as male being feminine you know yeah. that's that's really a problem still in terms of homophobic and transphobic hate crime we're going to keep talking to mj about this particularly about this swing of the pendulum as now put it and what that's meaning for the hate crime in society i mm. think this is really interesting because we've mm. seen a rise and i want to talk to you about why yeah. that is mm. that is coming up next here on talk radio badass women's hour excel on talk radio she'll get you talking we are talking to Meg John Barker about her new about their new book, Gender and Graphic Guide, here on Badass Women's Hour XL. Uh, before the break, MJ, we talked about the rise in hate crime, particularly for masculine appearing people with feminine qualities. Do you I mean we we were all really shocked a few months ago when we saw the attack on the two women on the bus mm. in London and what happened was the LGBTQ community came around and were like, well, that's that's the reality. Yeah. Just nobody's been talking about it. And since Brexit, I know homophobic mm. hate crime rose sharply, but I think the statistics on transphobic in the last couple of years, transphobic hate crime was just staggering, like 80% or something. It was, wow. it was huge, mm. yeah. So we're definitely in a place where things have got a lot worse in a short space of time for... Mm trans people and queer people more broadly do you think that's because we are having more of a discussion about it so is it is it a weird thing which is that in making something more visible in talking about it in saying this is a reality of life it exists this is what's happening then suddenly more people know about it and more people can go actually i don't like that and i'm going to be really aggressively anti it maybe but i think there's more you know i think the fact it's post sort of um, mm. the kind of yeah. conversations about Brexit is, is telling and, you know, racist hate crime has also gone up. So I think it's more about fear of otherness mm. and difference mm. and the way that politically we're all being pretty much, you know, encouraged to go after marginalised groups as the, the cause of the problems. Mm. You know, immigrants, trans people, you know, it's not, that that's not a accident. You know, it's like it's it serves people in a position of power yeah. if everybody's kind of targeting marginalised groups rather than recognising that it's the structures of power that are really the problem. And we do a lot in the book about how kind of racism and classism and ableism and sexism and homophobia and all of these things are kind of really interwoven. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much all about that kind of attack the other, us and them kind of thinking. When you were writing the book, was there anything in there that surprised you? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, um, we, we got a kind of theme for the book, which is sci-fi. So there's a real Doctor <laughs> yeah. Who theme running through it because, you know, Doctor Who had just come out as non-binary, yeah. right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, I assume that's what they are now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> given that they've been a man and a woman. Um, so, yeah, like we kind of decided that would be a great theme for the book. And of course, we're going th back through time to look at the history of gender and how it's come to be the way it is today. Mm. But we also went forward through time. So I guess the sci-fi bit towards the end of the book where it's like, what's the future of gender? 
and looking at like how lots of different science fiction authors have imagined mm. the future what of gender. What do you think? What do you think the future of gender is like? Like I don't know. Mm. What would you or what would you like to see gender to be like in say twenty years time? Well, I I feel positive about this proliferation of gender that we've been talking about that people are beginning to see it as like th their relationship to gender is unique so the, there's a psychologist called Sandra Bem who's a feminist and back in the 70s she was saying we should get, we should dial down the volume of gender like it's just something like eye colour it's irrelevant, we shouldn't have it on passports and things and that was her strategy and a lot of feminists were using that strategy to try and get gender equality and it just didn't seem to work and in the 1990s she said okay let's go the other way, let's turn the volume up and like have a million different categories of gender which is also what some scientists sci-fi authors imagined and she reckoned that would be a better way forward to kind of bust kind of the, the patriarchy yeah. kind of in a way and so yeah, I have a bit of hope that if we can recognize that the complexity of gender and how it interrelates with race and sexuality and disability and all these other things that might be a better way so it's, it's really kind of a lot of black feminists and intersectional feminists who are I think, the, the cutting edge of thought mm. around these issues, and that's who I was drawing on a lot. Yeah, because it'd be great to get rid of that gender, you know, the box that you have to tick. I know uh, mm. a friend of mm. mine um, is, is trans and, and went from man to a woman, and one of the trickiest things that they had to do as part of their transition, they were like, of everything I've had to go through, mm. changing the passport, yeah. being recognised as a woman having been a man was the most complex, difficult long process yeah and it's and you just shame. like that uh, like uh, you know what why why that really when you know i think it's it's so troubling again because of the history because you know where the recent version of gender which is kind of that mars and venus that like two yeah. opposite sexes that complement each other you know again it goes back to romantic relationships where that came from it was like you know after the second world war women needed to get back in their box, right? We have yeah. to have yeah. them working in the home and we have to not pay them. We can't afford to pay women for working in the home and yeah. reproducing the workforce. How do we do that? Well, we can convince them that they're nurturing and passive and these are natural feminine traits and that's really sweet and we can kind of advantage women and then men are all ambitious and strong and stable. And this is where that real gender binary comes from is that point in time, we don't want that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like we need to kind of break that for everybody and I'm yeah my wondering is maybe if we go that way of recognizing that gender is much more diverse than we've ever realized before that might help to shift things but it, we're talking about thousands of years of patriarchy so you know it's going to be a long haul <laughs> <laughs> we just at least try and fast track it <laughs> yeah but I think people who are living their gender in different ways and challenging that idea that you're born one way and you stay that way forever you know in a way are spearheading this you know and it's such mm. a shame that at the moment the majority of popular culture is damning that group of people rather than mm. celebrating yeah. them you know because you know schools where there's been one trans kids are often schools where they're having much better conversations about gender yeah. sexual harassment's going down homophobic you know um, bullying is going down because they're actually beginning to have these conversations yeah. do you think again thinking about the pendulum mm. and uh swings and shifts within society if we're we're not at a great place in terms of talking about gender, but we are acknowledging that there are, you know, there's a multitude there. Do you think it might swim back and people re uh, regress to a place of safety? Well, I think we're seeing that, exactly mm. that movement on a number of topics, not just gender, mm. but there's this push forward, you know, and it is extraordinary, you know, Facebook having 70 different gender terms mm. and they pronouns being recognised and, like, there's, you know, non-binary actors in shows like Billions mm. and, you know, this is incredible. And at the same time, yeah, we're seeing this real backlash of, you know, real rage mm. against trans people, which comes out in hate crime, but also in a lot of popular media 
um, conversations about this this topic, and and it's I think that's the same in so many areas at the moment. There's this big move forward, and this big you know politically we see it a lot. There's a real kind of move back to very right wing views and yeah. fascist views, and at the same time there's a lot of people you know sort of sort of being much more politically politically active and sort of saying we need to value everyone equally and mm. we really need to make some shifts in our society. Mm. Yeah, and it's 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 to that point i'm trying to think of a research study um it was done i think in about slovakia i might have have it wrong but you know basically where there was a shift actually the next generation of young people coming through determined that they wanted to actually be more religious and um you know move towards that structure of the Mm. 2.4 family because there was such turmoil and Mm. after turmoil they wanted to move to what was safety so my, my wonder is you know my goddaughter's sitting outside, she's 10. Mm. You know, by the time she gets to my age at 36, will she be craving a kind of, I need boxes because I've had so much choice? She'll have had babies at 24, she'll be married, she'll be working. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's ultimately what I wonder. And, you know, I think I of all mean... of my goddaughters, I've got a lot of goddaughters, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I, 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 I wonder for them whether or not they will cling to boxes. I mean, what we're seeing at the moment with young people is is much more that, they're the generation are saying, hey, you've done a number on us. And we talk about in the book about intergenerational trauma, that these mm. gender messages, you know, they did this really interesting documentary on the BBC recently called No More Boys and Girls, where they asked kids in the school, like, who's better, boys or girls? And they all said boys were. They asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the girls mostly said pretty. Mm. As a seven-year-old kids. Yeah. You know, it's really bad, the gendered messages we're giving young people. And I sort of link it as well to the kind of climate change activism you know it's young people who are saying you've done a number on us Mm. you know like Mm. young people are coming out and saying this is intergenerational injustice you should have been thinking about this earlier and I think the two are really tied together is like we need to think about what legacies we're passing on in terms of messages about sex consent Mm -hmm. you know if we were teaching children how to be consensual at a young age we wouldn't be having the me too crisis if we were looking after the planet we wouldn't have young people turning around and saying what Greta had to say you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I see all of that together and I think you know young people hope hopefully that they'll be more concerned with yeah like making the planet a better place if if it's if it's even okay in 30 years that's what I'm more concerned about is if do we have a 30 years from now you know (laughs) how do you think we go about having difficult conversations around this topic so I'm thinking when I look at the conversation that's going on around the gender recognition act right now and it is divided down the middle and you're on one side or you're on the other and there is no middle ground yeah and I look at that and I'm like well you're never going to be able to bring those sides together unless you say okay well actually how do we have a conversation how do I listen to you how do you listen to me how do we work through it and nuance yeah well it's the ability for nuance it saddens me a lot because you know that there's there's so much need for kindness and that's Mm. something we come back to over and again in the book but again the media framing of these things as a debate is not helpful. You know, so much misinformation about the GRA. Like, that makes a very small difference to a very small number of people. It doesn't have any impact on who can go into what toilets. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have, you know, that's the equalities legislation. You know, it's it's a whole different piece of legislation. It doesn't have impact on kids getting hormones and surgery, which which kids don't get in this country anyway. So there's so much media misinformation. and And it being presented as a two legitimate sides is a bit like... Mm. climate change and climate change denial being represented as two different sides if if one side is arguing that a group of people don't exist or are evil you know it's it's very much the trans moral panic echoes the gay moral panic back in the 80s mm. yeah. you know rep- representing people as abusive um mm. saying that they'll you know infect our children if we talk, teach about it in school mm. so i don't think 
that's so showing those two sides of the debate as equally valid is is it's, it's the same thing as if you did that back in the 80s around whether gay people exist you know? so i would say that but i would also say that i know mm. gorgeous people on one side who would say so i, I know particularly i have a lovely female friend who mm. um was raped yeah. and spent time in a women's refuge and she's like i want everyone to have access to that service yeah i want everyone to have access to that service but she's also like i also want to be really really tr- honest with you mm. if somebody turns up looking in any way, way male mm. at that point in my life they were terrifying to me yeah and so and she's like, and I, so i sit there and i'm like what do i want to, what do i do because i want everyone to have access to that service yeah and i'm also aware how terrified i was yeah and so i think i totally agree with you that, like the current media climate which says let's have a debate about everything yeah not helpful but also i want i want her voice to be heard and i want my friend who's like I'm a trans woman and I just want to be able to access the services that I need. Yeah. Want their voice to and be And again, heard. the level of sexual yeah. violence against trans women, Huge. particularly trans women of colour, is massive yeah. and homicide as well. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and the thing is, we have amazing um, setups for survivors in this country which have mm. been grappling with this for years and yeah. they have really good answers. You know, I'm not an expert on yeah. this, but I've talked to many of them. They're managing this fine you know, mm. so that everyone's kept safe. They're, they're experts in that. Yeah. Just talk to them. You know, no one's actually talking to the people who run these services mm. about how brilliantly they're handling mm. all of that. Yeah. You know, we, it, there isn't a problem here. It's being whipped up and it's not It's not that that people are really upset about. It's, yeah. It is the troubling of gender and it is, you know, t- I agree with you, there is a need for kindness and understanding of why pe- why it's so threatening mm. to people that, and why there's such a clinging to this binary um, but again, I might come back to the idea that really targeting a marginalised group and saying they're the problem mm. is missing the fact that it's, you know, it's patriarchy that's the problem. Yeah. And, you know, it's who's who's in power that this is serving. Mm. We've pitched feminists against each other for years. Yeah. You know, that's how the media deals with, with feminists. It pitches it as a catfight between mm. silly women. <laughs> and that's what's happening here again. Yeah. And people are buying it. Like, don't buy it. These, you know, these are not the bad guys. <laughs> Beautiful thought. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Meg John Bucker, thank you so much for coming in. The book is out now. Yes, it is. It is. If you want to buy MJ's book, Gender, A Graphic Guide, out now. It is, I would say, a brilliant way of trying to understand a very overly complicated discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's clear and simple and great fun. And thank you so much for writing it. We really appreciate it. And thank, thank you for you. coming and chatting over with us. Thanks for having me. And therapy. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Have free, free therapy for now. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So, London is very lucky because it is hosting pretty much one of a kind, uh, a complete concept store where all the products are created by businesses owned by women of colour. Uh, it is called Janet's List and the fabulous Janet Organa, the founder, is here. Hello. Hi. Tell us a little bit about the shop. When we say it's all businesses founded or owned by women of colour, what is it? How, what does that mean? How do, okay. you, how do you sort that? Yeah. So Janet's List was created by me, Janet, because I thought there were so many amazing brands by black women and women of colour that people needed to discover, people needed to buy from. And I actually think if you're going to make impact, you need to do something that's really tangible. And what could be more tangible than directly putting money into the pockets of businesses by black women and women of colour? And so what I did was I curated a list of brands and invited them to participate in the concept store. This is actually our third one. We had one in Amsterdam a couple of months ago and one over Christmas last year in Shoreditch. And so the idea is to have beautiful shops in mainstream central London locations. And what I want is two things, that when black women and women of colour walk into the shop, they feel like this is a space for me. I can get things that I don't ordinarily find on the high street. But then when everyone else, and I really do mean everyone else, walks in, they think, oh my goodness, this is really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can get some nice gifts for Christmas that maybe will, you know, that secret Santa that really stands out. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to really promote diversity in business, but at the same time doing it in a really clever and aspirational way. And I hope that when people walk into this space, they feel like they're walking into someone's living room. It's warm. It smells nice. There's a vinyl (laughs) record playing in the corner, some Tina Turner or something going on. And, you know, people in the shop chat to each other and just have a good vibe. So it's trying to do a lot of things at the same time. And so take us back. How did you get to, to this point in terms of building this business? So in... I'd say the idea started um, developing in October 2016 and I knew I wanted to do something with impact. I knew I wanted to do something with women. But the idea really crystallized in March 2017. I watched Hidden Figures, the movie, Mm. and it really struck home. I read a little bit more about the official Black Wall Street, which I knew nothing about. And then I realized that actually I did want to focus on black women and women of color. And at the time, so many people asked me questions like, are there enough businesses? Isn't that too narrow? You know, what about this? But I was so clear about where I wanted to put my energy, my time and my resources. And so I spent six or seven months just discovering brands, buying from them, stalking them on Instagram, (laughs) ordering through to understand what their customer service is like and just generally getting a sense of what the landscape was like. So when I was ready, I launched with a website and a list of 11 brands. Obviously, that list continues growing, but I knew that the real issue was opportunities to sell 
and to sell to the public. And that's something that affects all small businesses, not just businesses by women of colour. But I think being women of colour, we do face additional hurdles. And that's just true across all other areas of work, of the industry, not just in business. And so where, where is the store and what sort of products are you stocking? So the store is on 41 Cross Street, which is a lovely street in Islington. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the street that connects Upper Street and Essex Road. Mm-hmm. And if you're walking down the street and you see Le Labo and you see Aesop and you see Faro and Ball, we're right across the road from Faro and Ball. Perfect. Yeah. Oh. And I think Natalie had asked what, what we have in, in mm-hmm. store. So we have... Um, Gosh, where do I start? Hair care, beauty, skin care, jewellery. We have about four or five jewellery brands. We have a kids section. So anyone who's looking to buy good gifts for kids, you're sorted. I have brought to the studio some amazing boozy jams. If anyone likes the sound of Prosecco Kiwi, Prosecco Mango, Malo Cherry, that's my favourite one. For the people who are off alcohol... You've got your paprika pepper there sorted. Um, So there's just a whole curated mix. And for me, the idea is that it all feels quite cohesive, Mm. but each brand stands out on its own merits. Because, of course, for them, it's an opportunity to be discovered. Do you have a big, audacious kind of goal for Janet's List? Because you're in here, you're wearing, um, you're branding on a great yellow T-shirt, there's a yellow pack, and I'm just looking going, oh, my goodness, that's like... Selfridges, there could be a Janet's list <laughs> that was like a Selfridges. Like, what's your what's your big goal for Janet's list? That's a good question, and I wish I could answer it in like a really direct way. I think for me, if I get to a point where a business that started off a Janet's list ends up exiting some big VC for millions of pounds, I'll feel like my work is done. Mm. You know, um, for the businesses which were in the pop up shop last year. And already this year, they're like, we've increased our customer base in London. We up-leveled our branding because we realized how competitive it was in the concept store and we've really seen benefits from that. You know, we've grown our newsletter list, our social media. So for me, things that produce real tangible results for brands is what I'm about. I think where I see Janet's list going is definitely we've already gone international. So we had a concept store in Amsterdam, which was ahead of its time, but also right on time. Mm. Because you guys, when black Dutch women walked into that shop, it was like nothing you'd ever seen. They were just so excited to have that there. What made you pick Amsterdam as your your next location out of the UK? So that's a good question. Amsterdam is a bold city, quite similar to London. A lot of people speak English. When uh, the Brexit deadline was moved to October, I saw an opportunity. (laughs) I knew I wanted to do something in Europe because it was much more straightforward, but I knew I wanted to do something outside London. And as part of Janet's list, for me, it's about really pushing the boundaries and creating new opportunities and doing them in a fresh and innovative way. There are lots of people in the space, which is great. But for me, that, I think, made Janet's list stand out. And for the brands that were involved, they would never have had an opportunity to be in a beautiful store in central Amsterdam. And that's the thing, right? Lots of people say the high street's dead and it's all about online. But there is something uh, gratifying as someone that produces things to see your product in a store. Yeah. in a physical place and, and, and have customers interact 
with yeah. your, your, your produce. I'm so happy you've said that. That's actually point three on my notes <laughs> for this conversation. And I think what I, I really want to do and what I'm doing is embracing the changing face of retail. Mm -hmm. It's not good enough to just have stuff in a shop and expect people to come. People, you know, people can shop online. If people are going to get out of their houses, they want to come to an experience where they're speaking to people who know what they're talking about, mm -hmm. where they feel welcomed, they feel like it's something different to everything else that you see on the high street. And you've seen now that bigger brands are all embracing the whole pop-up concept, you know, Brands that ordinarily would occupy floors in shopping malls are actually the ones who are competing with us mm -hmm. to try and get pop-up spaces. So, you know, the landscape of retail is changing. And I think Janet's List is really stepping into that. What have you learned about being an entrepreneur since you've been doing this? Did that come out? I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. um, I think as an entrepreneur, you need to really develop as a person mm -hmm. because your business will not grow unless you develop as a person, you have to have the right mindset. You have to capitalize on the opportunities. I think you have to be really clear about your vision as well. You know, I love to work with experts and I have a great team around me. My PR lady is amazing. My branding, all of those people are great. And I, some of them, I even chose them before they had even gone freelance because I knew that they would be absolutely right for my business. But at the end of the day, you have to be really clear about your vision mm. as a business owner and really stick to that. And so for me, I've learned not to rush into things, but to play the long game because ultimately I will do things and execute them exactly the way I want to. I've learned that well done is better than perfect, mm. but I aim for a sort of 85, 95% <laughs> good. So when I look into something, I'm like, this is brilliant. There's very little I would change. It's just tweaking and ad adapting things there. I think relationships are really important. My mm. business is all about relationships. You know, I actually love the brand founders who are in the in the shop. When they come in, you know, we have a chat, we high five. You know, we've grown together actually mm. in the process. So I think the mindset is really important. Making the right moves at the right time is really important, but also understanding money, understanding which part of your business is going to scale, which part of your business people really respond to. So for me, I remember when I advertised the first um, concept store in December, in October last year, I just had no idea, but the sheer response that I got of people wanting to find out more, wanting to get involved, for me was like, okay, there's something here from a business perspective that makes absolute sense and I need to lean into it. So I think anyone with a business, just understand what people need, not what you want to yeah. provide them, but what people need, but more importantly, are prepared to pay for and that you can deliver in an excellent way. And just finally, you also have a podcast as well. So yes. I know this because I've been on it. Yeah. It's not. So our very first podcast episode, we had Harriet Minter. And I remember sitting in Nando's in August 2017 with my podcast co-host, Adonica Simmons, who had never listened to a podcast in her life. So I took her to Nando's, bought a big plate of chicken, and I was like, look... We're going to start a podcast together, but not now because I'm building this thing called Janet's List. But we're going to do it next year. And the whole idea is that we're going to get women, particularly women of color in business, to talk about money. Because that's the one thing that people do not talk about in a really open, honest mm -hmm. and candid yeah. way. And all the podcasts you see are about the, you know, the 10 millions, the 100 million mm -hmm 
come on, I just want my first 100K. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. if that's the case, you know, let's talk to people who are doing that and yeah. get some really tangible, practical things. So I actually take notes during our podcast as well. Mm. <laughs> it is a brilliant podcast. I thoroughly recommend it. If people want to find out more about Janet's List, where should they be looking? So they should be looking on Instagram at Janet's List. So all one word and you can follow all of our adventures there. Twitter, same thing, at Janet's List and our website, janetslist.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Janet Chagano, the fantastic founder of Janet's List, which is wonderful. Do go check it out if you're in London. One, two, three, four! This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.